gender yet, but they're small enough. You can get them in a tank, give them a sponge, and yeah, start yeah. going. You can work it might young. Be, it might be a few months before that happens, but... Full body suit, yeah. then. Just wiggle around in there, kid. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen those uh, those onesies that have, like, the... Uh-huh. Uh, uh, the Swiffer things, like, yes. on the bottom, and they just crawl around? Yeah, I've seen those. Just uh, get one for your kid for beer. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I just got to make it sure it's clean, sanitary. Clean this tank. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> We do not condone that. Yeah, Child don't. labor is bad. Uh, sanitation would be a nightmare. Welcome back to Sauced on Beer, Bourbon, Barbecue. I'm your host, Kevin, and I'm running solo today, but we have an awesome guest with us, uh, Jason Maddie, who has been a friend of mine for years, uh, moved up to Iowa, so we haven't we haven't been in contact in a while, but uh, nope. Jason, you do a lot with beer. Oh, yeah. Um, you're a big home brewer. Yep. Um, you've got some exciting ventures coming down the pike with a brewery, mm-hmm. I hear, um, but you're in town for a couple days and i was like hey when you get to town let's let's talk i want to talk home brewing and all that kind of stuff because you've gone from very basic home brewing to now mad scientist home brewing i would oh yeah i would i would say so jason thanks for coming today hey no problem glad to be here um let's just start with the basics where'd you get your start in brewing because i know you know everybody has a different start we've talked to a couple brewers and you know, they all start with the home brewing. So where'd you get where'd you get your start? Let's see. My start was probably, I'd say, five or six years ago. Uh, essentially, got a homebrew kit as a Christmas present. Literally, a plastic bucket and a uh, pot and stove. And, uh, extract only. You know, brewing a few kits here or there. I would always change the recipe. Uh, basically, you know, hot profiles essentially is what you could control in those homebrewing kits um as well as like what we call adjuncts you know which what are those just for our listeners who yeah. maybe don't know an adjunct is basically something you add either to fermentation or during a secondary fermentation to add to the flavor of the beer um basically kind of like the beer you're drinking um they added hazelnut coffee to it and this one is which one uh this is out of confluence um this is a, a brewery in Des Moines Iowa it's called Grays Lake Nessie Okay. Um, the namesake basically there's a there's a lake up in uh des moines called gray's lake okay and it's kind of a play on the loch ness monster in scotland yeah yeah so this is a scotch it's ale? a scotch ale yep. okay scotch ale um they added the the normal gray's lake nessie's pretty good but this one that hazelnut coffee is just delicious yeah i mean you can really taste the coffee and that's why you brought it up first because you yeah. know we're recording at 9 a.m and um <laughs> you know you have to have a little coffee, coffee yeah you know. morning coffee so yeah it's it's quite nice um but yeah the basically you know starting off from home brewing you just got to take that first step to get that i don't know i think it's like 50 bucks for a homebrew kit yeah just and I hear you actually have to use your home brewing kit. Like mine is still sitting in a box over there. I've had it for two years now. And well, it might be already fermented. It, uh, it could be. <laughs> uh, I got it for like you said. I got mine for a Christmas present, yep. and we moved to South City, St. Louis. And from what I hear, you don't want to brew out in the middle of your alley in South City. It's not the safest place to 
to do that. So yeah, that's a possibility. <laughs> so, uh, but what was the first thing you brewed? Do you remember? Oh, good lord! What was the first thing I brewed? Uh, I think the first thing I may have brewed was actually like a. It might have been a wheat beer of some sort. Okay. Do you remember um, coming out good? Yeah, it tastes like a wheat beer. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, <laughs> wasn't anything over the top or anything like to write home about, but so jump ahead a little bit. You went from your bucket system to now your mad scientist rig. Yeah. What yeah. is what is your mad scientist rig that you have? I mean, so with that, that was kind of a a, a big step because it was basically uh, the apartments I lived at, the house I live in now all had electric stoves, uh, no gas stove at all. So putting a five-gallon pot and trying to get it up to boil is not easy. Cancel your day plans, right? Yeah, and basically you're actually, you'd have no temperature control either. So it's like, it's either on or off, basically. And then on top of that, you have to really be careful about what's called a boil over. So if you have all your, what's called a wart, which is the beer after you soak through the grains and get the sugars out. But basically, if a boil over is when you heat it up too quickly and it all literally boils out of the pot, which is not a fun cleanup. Yeah. Um, We'd relate it probably to, like, somebody cooking potatoes. You know, yep. like when you put the potatoes in with mm-hmm. the lid on and you get all that water spewing out quickly. Yep. yep, except the water, instead of it being water, it's really, really sticky. Literally turns to caramel right off it comes out of the pot, which is a nightmare to clean up. But... By the time you get on the, that, that stove top, you're basically like, okay, you got to sit there and watch it. And, you know, a watch pot doesn't boil, but you have to watch it or else it will boil over. Um, so fighting that, it was just kind of like, well, I want to do more. Um, I mean, you can go a long way with extract brewing. That's fine. But uh, uh, I want to do a little bit more. So I actually went out and made a huge jump to uh, what's called a, a Blickman Brew Easy, which... Um, is considered a rim system, so it's a recircling mash. Um, and what that means is basically you're taking your your water, um, heating up to a temperature, and then running it through the grains and and recirculation the whole entire time, so you can get the sugars out of there. Is the water a steam, or is it still hot water? It's still hot water. Okay. So you're, you're, it depends on what kind of uh, mash profile you want. So or kind of what your what style beer you're making too. Because if you if you Depending on how you how hot the water is, it actually will change the body of the beer. Okay. Um, so the the hotter it is, the more long strain sugars will be in the beer. So uh, you'll basically get a sweeter pr- product at the end because the the sugars won't be able to eat it, or the yeast won't be able to eat the sugars. Um, if you actually do it at a lower temp, uh, like from like one forty six or something like that, it'll actually dry out the beer because it comes really simple sugars and uh the the yeast will be able to eat them all can you give us an example of like something that might have like a higher the long strain is what you're talking about like what what style of beer would that kind of uh, like your scotch ale you got there that's that'll be you can you can generally get those a little bit higher temp and then uh like stouts things that you would think they're quote-unquote heavier okay um Whereas, like, a lighter beer would be, like, your Pilsners, your Lagers, um, things like that. You want a nice, crisp uh, uh, outcome. Okay. So, but yeah, I got Blickman Brew Easy, basically a stepping stone to what your larger systems would be, because they're going to be very similar in that that respect. Obviously, 
I'm doing 10 gallons at a time instead of barrels at a time. Yeah. So that's a little bit different. But. How much were you able to do with your home brewing? Like how many gallons? Would it just be like a one gallon? Or no, like, it'd be it'd be 10 gallons. 10 ga- so you're yep. still 10-gallon system mm-hmm. both ways. Okay. Yep. But your new 10-gallon system is probably a lot easier. Oh, well, the last one, oh, so the, the stove was five gallons. Okay. <laughs> stove was five gallons. Uh, now I'm doing 10. Okay. Which... It's kind of nice. Ten's a good number because uh, for at least the home brewing game, because it's it's a it's a spot where you can when you're when you're packaging your beer. A lot of times when you're at doing ten gallons at a time, you're not worrying about bottling at all. Um, you're just kegging, so you throw it into little soda kegs, essentially. Okay. So nice thing about that is when you do ten gallons, each one of those soda kegs is five, so you can do one of the the standard one that comes out of fermenter. The other one you can add stuff to it. So the soda cakes are they pre-carbonated or do yep. you okay nope. so you have to still carbonate yeah. them and, Oh yeah. Yeah. So I know I saw your basement right now mm-hmm. is impressive. Tell everyone what makes your basement so impressive. Well, we just I just finished the bar in my basement and uh I did everything in that that basement bar by myself uh, with the help from family members. Uh but the only thing I didn't do was the granite countertops. But uh, but that's not the impressive. That's not the impressive part. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> yes, to have granite countertops is nice. But what's the impressive part of your basement? I actually have a uh, eight tap uh, beer tower in my bar downstairs. Uh, <sighs> glycol chilled. The uh, I have a refrigerator that I modified to to be able to fit six kegs worth of beer. Um, so obviously, I can never fill all my taps, but. You know, whatever. <laughs> Room to grow, right? Yeah, right. But I actually have one of them. Um, the the tap line number eight is uh, is connected directly to filtered water, so you can. Oh, that's cool. You know, take filtered chilled filtered chilled water. water. Oh, I call chilled filtered water right from the tap. That's awesome. So that's really cool. So what you're doing now, like you're you're creating on this craft beer. Obviously, you can't sell it. No. And I'm assuming, I mean, you can probably come pretty close to drinking 10 gallons of beer, you know. I mean, but what do you do with it? Like, when you get done brewing it, are you giving it to friends and family? Are you... Yep, yep, that's a big thing, is friends and family. Um, Christmas presents are already done, I'm assuming. (laughs) (laughs) I work at a craft beer bar up in uh, Pella, Iowa, uh, the Cellar Peanut Pub. Uh, We got 50-plus beers on tap there, so... And that's kind of... We call it our pub family, but... Um, I share a lot of it with them, so uh, they're always excited to, to see what 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 I come up with, what you know, uh, what's new to try for them. Um, so that's always a good place to offload a lot of beer. Yeah. So let's kind of talk about the the home brewing process. Uh, probably a bunch of our listeners want to try it or are trying it. Um, what if you're going to walk us through like step one to step X, how many upper steps are like can you give us kind of just a basic overview about how you go about starting your homebrew and all that sure yeah uh step one is clean um step two is clean uh step three is clean <laughs> so biggest Would step part, four be clean as no, well step four is you actually get in the process oh. uh but uh cleaning is the biggest part of any type of brewing even if you scale up all the way to the uh, macro scale i mean it's it's if you don't have a clean system, 
your beer is always going to have some weird off flavor or it'll just taste like the last batch you had in there. So that's biggest thing is cleaning. Um, is that to kill the yeast and all that? Not that, necessarily. Okay. It's more to kill anything else that you don't want in your beer. Okay. So it there's a lot of microbes out there that like yeast or like sugars as well. Mold. Um, okay. Uh, just random wild yeast strains, which honestly, it's kind of funny because a lot of uh, a lot of breweries are actually starting to harness some of those wild yeast strains. Mm-hmm. But if you're brewing just a standard IPA and you want it to be, you know, clean and juicy and you know all the all the uh, traits you want it to be, but it has that odd kind of funk to it, you probably actually got a little bit of a wild yeast strain in there, which can happen. But uh, biggest thing, really, honestly, is cleaning. Um, you want to clean, make sure everything's sanitized and ready to go before you start, just so you don't have to, you know, be doing it while you're brewing because, you know, you get sidetracked and you forget to do it. So, um, basically, step one is uh, or after cleaning. So, I guess we're on four? Yeah. I think we did three cleanings. So <laughs> three yeah. cleanings and we're on step four. So, step four would be, uh, you know, getting your water up to temp. Um, if you're doing... Uh, Extract brewing, um, this is kind of where it separates a little bit. Uh, a lot of the extract brewing kits allow you to steep the grains a little bit anyway. So they give you like a little bit uh, bag of grain that you throw in there just so you have um, basically some of that, uh, the the profile of the beer that you're trying to get to. Um, but you want to get your water up to temp. Um Generally, that's around the 150-ish range uh, Fahrenheit. Uh, And then from there, you either, if you're in an extract kit, you actually steep the, you put all your little grains in a little bag and you steep it for 30 minutes or something like that, whatever the recipe says. If you're actually in, if you're actually doing... um, full grain you're actually what's doing what you're, you're mashing in so you're you're taking all of the grain you have uh for my setup it's around 20 to 30 pounds worth of grain you throw it in your mash ton and then you start uh throwing water on the hot water on top of it so almost kind of like you're making like a, a tea of yep. some sort yeah. yep yep gets almost like an oatmeal consistency okay but yeah i mean from there you're, once you steep your grains, if you're doing extract, a lot of times it's just directly into the boil from that point. So you'll actually boil, um, you'll take the grains out, you'll, you'll get the water to a boil, um, and you, you add the extracts, uh, and you follow a hop schedule to get it, to get it what you want. Now, one tip for the ex, the, uh, yield extract brewers, um, make sure you take the pot off the heat before you add your extract, because, extract being sugar it sinks so if you throw that sugar right in there on top of that hot pot it'll just scorch um which i made an ipa back way back when when i had an extract brewing that i scorched the uh the extract and it turned out fine but it wasn't it wasn't just a normal ipa it was more like a brown ipa because <laughs> you basically toasted your yeah your sugars but yeah just you want to make sure you get that off the heat so you don't you don't scorch anything um but yeah i mean with full grain you're looking at uh you know about an hour or so to uh, mash your grains um 
then from there uh you get it down you get it into your boil pot get it up to boil and you're looking at 60 minutes to 90 minutes on a boil i mean depending on the style so is there one style that's easier to do than another style like i mean like ipas or loggers or pills mm-hmm. like one of those is there one that's more forgiving because it seems like there's quite a few steps and all that oh yeah oh yeah so ipas i would construe as being relatively difficult because you have the there's a lot of things that go into an ipa um hop scheduling um there's a lot of steps if you're wanting to get something out really quick uh, a blonde ale is probably your best bet because that's generally you're looking at maybe one or two different grains. You have your uh, base grain and then um, your specialty grain just to give it a little bit of flavor. Maybe one hop addition, and that's really it. I mean, it's it's that's a pretty relatively simple one. Um, when you get into lagers and stuff, lagers are pretty difficult, um, which for those of you who don't know, a lager is something that's uh, fermented below, I think it was 50 degrees, um, and then ales. Um, are fermented above that so um, lagers you have to keep at a lower temperature to ferment out and they take a long time to do um, whereas an ale you could easily get it done within a couple of weeks okay so once you have everything boiled down you've got everything ready you're ready to start the fermenting process yep. right yep um, are you adding the yeast while it's hot or do you add that yeast while it's before fermenting like how so with with yeast it depends on the yeast strain um they all have a specific range in which they technically are uh activated at or best Mm -hmm. suited for um so you want to cool your uh after you steep your grain and actually get everything and you're ready to uh you know pitch your yeast that liquid is actually called wort it's basically sugar water at that point um but uh you want to get that from 200 some odd degrees down to, you know, 60, 70 degrees, somewhere around there to pitch your yeast. Uh, basically to do that, you either put, if you're doing it on a stove, you got to, you, you have the option to put it in like an ice bath, put the whole entire bucket, uh, the pot in an ice bath and that'll cool it down. Otherwise, uh, a lot of people use immersion chillers at that mm-hmm. point. Um, Basically, it's just a, a copper coil that you run water through to chill, try to chill it. Um, my system, I've got what's called a plate chiller, which is awesome because you actually take that 200 some odd degree water, run it through this plate chiller, and by the time it hits the other side of that plate chiller, it's 60 degrees. That's awesome. Or whatever your groundwater temp is. So it gets it down real quick. Um, on the whole, like the, the, pot and stove scale it normally take took me about i don't know 20 minutes 30 minutes to get it down to temp but now it's it's real quick so it's it's a lot better that's good is there a style that stands out to you more like one that you are more favorable of making like it may not be like your favorite Mm -hmm. beer but is there a style that you like making more i like um I like making stouts just because there's a lot of stuff you can do with them. Um, they're not too difficult to make, but they're also, uh, if you don't get your grain bill right, you don't really have a stout. At that point, you have a brown, or um, if you had too much hops, it's almost like a black IPA or Cascadian IPA. So um, 
stouts are fun because you can actually throw in a lot of like different adjuncts into it and it makes it it'll change that profile entirely and you can actually do a lot of things with that um ipas are are a little bit more difficult i like brewing ipas but in the same token they're more difficult to do and they're a lot more expensive to make um because hops in general are expensive oh yeah so but uh i'd say honestly my favorite thing to brew is, is most likely a stout okay is there a style of hops that you like because I know, like, I have a buddy who's a big fan of the Noble Hops. Like, he just, oh, yeah. he likes, likes brewing things with those. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I swear he just tries to find recipes that use Noble Hops so that he can just brew with those. I'm like, well, let's venture out a little bit. Like, I'm tired of drinking your beer with Noble Hops. Like, it's good, but let's venture out. Yeah, I I brew with just arbitrary hops. I, li- I, like, I like finding hops I really haven't heard of and then using them. But uh, some of my favorite hops are actually, I mean, it's cliche, but obviously citras are always really good. But citra hops good, but and sometimes in the craft beer world, that's cheating because they're always good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, mosaic is a, is another good hop that's uh, more in that kind of pineapple tropical, uh, really kind of a, a juicy hop. Um, I got a hop that I just. I bought, I still need to use, but uh, it was, uh, oh, what was it called? I think it was Golden Hop or something, but it's actually, I think they renamed it to 007, the Golden Hop. Oh, for Golden Eye. Yeah, for just... Golden Eye. Yeah, and it's, it, oh, it was, I think it was El Dorado originally. Okay. But, you uh, bunch of nerds. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but yeah. I appreciate that, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of those, um, those what can be construed as like juicy hops or a lot of the hops that are going to those new England IPAs are really good. Um, new England style, new, uh, not new England style, but, uh, New Zealand hops are, are kind of fun to play with around too. Well, let's chat about new England. style uh, hazy IPAs real quick. Oh yeah. Hazy what do you, IPAs. what do you think of those? Oh, those are great. Um, though the market is getting like flooded with them. Um, there's a lot of breweries that do it really well. And there's some that's, basically releasing a different beer every time that tastes the same because it's a new england style ipa would that be treehouse actually i haven't had any treehouse really no i see i see a bunch of friends um just through instagram and all that kind of stuff they'll be going out to treehouse i'm like oh that sounds really cool and they're like in the line at treehouse and it's a line that's like 1500 people long i'm like yeah no well see so the funny thing about new new england style ipas is they kind of change the uh um how ipas are thought you know they used to be uh i know when i started first started homebrewing it was uh an ipa was supposed to be a really really bitter beer um not so much malty a little bit drier but basically you wanted the hop bitterness and now they're like oh well i'm gonna make this this beer with all this hops that's not that bitter but super either uh, they actually add lactose to it or something to sweeten it up the 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 body of the beer and then adding that hops to make it more or less what you call it, a juicy IPA, mm-hmm. um, which is good. But I still like my my hot bitterness in my beer. So if you can find that balance of of the juicy to the bitter, that's where you, that's where it's at. Yeah, I, I've got a couple New England style IPAs and all that. Um, 
New England style beers. Uh, shout out to our friend Ed uh, Got Hops on Instagram. Uh, him and I sh- traded some beers. Mm-hmm. Um, I sent him some St. Louis ones. He sent me some stuff from New England. Um, good stuff up there. Um, I mean, it's kind of exciting to see what they've got going on there. I feel like we've got a real East Coast West Coast battle kind of oh, going yeah. on right now. Oh, uh, yeah. So I need to find a buddy out on the West Coast to send me some West Coast beers. And, <laughs> um. So, Jason, let's talk a little bit about what are some things you've got brewing right now at your house. I know I just saw one that you did that you just bottled um, that was a – it's a whiskey, oak-infused – I'll let you do the talking. I'm yep. probably rambling on. But tell us about that one. So that is actually – I've got a little like – actually a little bit of both. But Ooh. I brewed a beer um, – what can be construed as a Mexican hot cho- hot cocoa. Um, for those of you that have like uh, had stone Sokovesa. I just had one of those the other night. Oh my goodness. Yep. And it's, it's about the same um, as far as uh, the recipe goes. Um, basically what I do is I, when I'm building recipes, a lot of times I'll try to find a style that I want to do. Um, I'll do a lot of research on it, so I'll find, I'll just go to like the homebrew network, uh, just, uh, forums or whatever else and try to find what works, what doesn't kind of figure out how I want to make this recipe, um, and then kind of build it up from there. Uh, so the beer that I made is basically a, it can be construed as a, a Shokovesa clone, um, but I changed the, the grain bill considerably. Do you know what Shokovesa means? Is it? No. No? I, I think it actually, it, is it, I've heard rumors it's chocolate in Spanish, like some kind, kind of, kind of like a Chocovesa is like what they used to, like a chocolate hot water mixture that they used to drink. Oh. So I don't know, like, I'm trying to it figure it out. Sense, I'm sure but... we can look it up online, but yeah. I was just saying, so. Yeah, I don't know what that actually means on top of my head. It's Mexican. It's... Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> or Spanish, I guess. The Spanish. The term is Spanish. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, basically I found, uh, went through and found recipes that people have done to actually clone the Shogavesa, and then using that somewhat of a template and then changing it out. Because a lot of times you can, you can modify the uh the grain bill to get a get different uh flavor profile. So basically what I did is I kind of switched things around, added a little bit more uh or added biscuit malt to mine. So biscuit malt will actually does literally what it says as comes like a biscuity flavor to okay. it. So it kind of thickens it up uh or at least feels like it thickens it. So that means you can have it at breakfast too, right? Oh, you can have beer at any time, doesn't matter what you know. It's beer 30, right? It's beer 30, right? <laughs> so we're drinking beer at Whatever time no, we're drinking now. hazelnut coffee infused beer. I mean, we're, we're right. drinking coffee. Come on. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but but basically, um, yeah, I, I added biscuit malt. Um, I had a lot more chocolate malt because I want to get that little more chocolate flavor out of it, um, and upped the amount of oats that I throw in there too. So um, this one, it tastes. It's a lot thicker than uh, what a Shokovesa would be. But uh, it's it's quite quite nice. What's your uh, ABV on it? Uh, it's still around eight something. So it's relatively easy to drink, you know. Yeah. Yep. 
Cool. And then you said you did another one too. What yes. Was- so this, so I do, again, I do 10 gallon batches. So when I went to packaging after fermentation, I put half of it in a, uh, um, in a keg and just by itself, got that in the fridge, got that, uh, carbonating, put the other half in another keg. But what I did is I actually had, um, oak chips that I would have been soaking in 10 cup whiskey for about a week and a half or so. And, uh, I actually have the other keg just, uh, aging on those oak chips. And that'll actually be done within in about four months. I did pull some off of it just to, you know, for drink. the fun of it, right? Yeah, and I brought it here so we well, can try it. But I'm excited. It's gonna be it's gonna be a little young. You might get a little bit of yoki flavor out of it, but uh, it'll it four months is about the time frame you want, okay. you want to let that soak. So, so let's talk to you've got some exciting ventures up there in Iowa. You guys, um, and I mean you guys because it, it seems like there's a group of you oh, yeah. are really pushing the craft beer scene in Iowa. Like what you guys mm-hmm. are doing your area. Um, Cause like, I'm, I hate to say this, but like when I think craft beer, I don't think Iowa, unfortunately, but at the same time, like when I tell people I'm from St. Louis, they don't say, Oh, craft beer. They say, Oh, AB. I'm like, Ooh, fun. I'm like, <laughs> yes, we do have AB. We thank AB for our amazing water supply here. Like we have good water because of AB. Right. Um, but we do have other things besides AB. So tell us what you got going on up there. Cause, cause it's really cool. And there's a hilarious story kind of, I mean, it's not hilarious for you guys, right. but it is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us all about that. So we're working and I'm not going to say the name of the, t- the company too, because <laughs> I can't, um, I just want to throw that in there. So I'm going to leave that to you. Yeah. So we have a, uh, a couple of awesome ladies up there. Uh, Betsy and Mindy, they're actually essentially spearheading a, a brewery startup. Um, and they, we were, the name that they came up with was, is, is Hazelig, which basically means um, a warm, fuzzy feeling in Dutch. It, it doesn't directly translate to uh, English in any way, but. Uh, Spell that for everyone just so they can. It's. Uh, it is G E Z E L L I G. There's no H sound in that. Just FYI. Well, it's Dutch. <laughs> there is an H, uh, I guess. Uh, but yeah, Hazelig is the, is the name of the brewery. Um, our kind of, uh, tagline is we're, we're brewing liquid hugs because Hazelig is a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling. Um, and the biggest thing with this brewery is, uh, is we wanted a place that, is kid friendly is family oriented. Um, so families can get together and, uh, you know, play games, enjoy craft beer. Um, and then one of the other aspects is we also want to do like a line of craft sodas. So when you take your, your kids to the, the brewery, the tap room, the, the adults can go and get a flight of beer and the kids can go and get a flight of soda. Um, just so you have that, that nice family meeting space that you can, you know, all enjoy uh, what we love. I mean, yeah. are we millennials? I don't know. But millennial. We're in that weird yeah, gray, that gray area. But basically, you got that younger. It's probably our fault for something, know, you sure. know. I'm sure it is. <laughs> but you got that, that younger generation that's that's really into the, the craft beer scene. And as they start having kids and after they, after they start building families, it's like, um, where do you want to go? It's like, well, we can't go to a brewery, but. You should be able to. I feel like you should be able to. Oh, yeah. So uh, 
kind of the funny story that Kevin was talking about was is essentially uh, we wanted to start it up in Pella, Iowa. I mean, that's Pella is a very, very Dutch community. Um, so we even have like a tulip time. So everybody gets out in their their Dutch shoes and wooden shoes. And I have a set of those here if you want to if you want to borrow them. I do not. size 13. Let me tell you how hard it is to get a size 13. Well, you, you say that. You can get them custom made in Iowa. Well, I I, I I got them custom made in Holland, Michigan. So. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, that's the other tulip time. Yes, uh, but we still pride ourselves in Pella, Iowa, to be the largest tulip time. Thank you very much. Hey, take it. But uh, but yeah, I mean, we wanted to start in Pella, Iowa. Um, the community was behind us uh, for the most part, but we just had a little bit of pushback from the uh, the city because. Honestly, it, it seemed like me being a transplant into that kind of uh, that that city is they they are not big on alcohol. Let's just kind of say that. Um, essentially, I always get the comments about like ten, twenty years ago, uh, there used to be a back door at the liquor store, so nobody would see you go into that liquor store. I mean, that's what that's what we're working with here. So, um, <clears throat> funny thing is, is uh, uh Betsy's husband, Duffy, uh Martin Duffy, he's he's the one that actually opened the Cellar Peanut Pub. And he actually opened that round the square and it's it's kind of an odd thing because it used to be our it was a big thing where there was no absolutely no bars on the square of Pella. Um but he got that thing right on the square. The community loves it. Um we don't serve Do you any... get a brown bag like to wear as you go no, in? No. No. The biggest thing is we don't we don't do any um what what we call domestics or uh you know your Anheuser Busch your your national major macro brew ba- brands and we have nothing wrong with Anheuser Busch hail Anheuser Busch heresy <laughs> uh, <that's, laughs> we have to say that because we're in St Louis hail Anheuser Busch <laughs> but uh, yeah we don't have any any Anheuser Busch products on there. Um, basically all independent craft breweries. That was all we have on tap. And it's, uh, a really, really nice location. You got the clientele that comes in there. It's, it's not like a normal bar. It's, it's, you come in there to drink craft beer. I mean, it, it brings that craft beer community with you. So you got all these people who come in there to, to enjoy the beer that they're drinking and they're not drinking to get drunk. So, uh, it kind of showed the community that, Hey, this is what we could do in a, uh, it's an experience. Um, yes. For like a for a bar or a, a pub. But uh when we went and tried to do everything for the brewery, they were just they were on the notion that it's just gonna be another bar. And we were like, No, it is not a bar, it is a craft brewery. Um but they couldn't get it out of their mind that there was a bar. Um we finally got the uh the city to write in ordinance that basically defines what a microbrewery actually is. Um, so we can, you know, get a place going, um, actually do our own self-distributing, all that fun stuff. Um, but we are, they're still stuck on allowing miners into a, an establishment that sells strictly alcohol. So that, I mean, like I said, Hazella is basically, we are wanting it to be a family oriented, oriented business oriented place where anybody can come in 
um, with their kids uh, and, you know, have a good family evening playing games or whatever else. But they were stuck on this. We don't want under 21 in there at any time. I was like, okay, well, how about, you know, you know, give us something. We are not, we are not a bar. We will not have 30 some odd beers on tap. We'll maybe have 10 of what we brewed. And we are geared for the, the child friendly atmosphere. I mean, Betsy has kids. Uh, Mindy has kids. Tiffany's pregnant. So I'll have kids. Uh, the head brewer, Mike, he has a couple of kids. So it's like, why would we work at a place where we can't bring our families to it legally? Yeah. Um, but so we, we were working with the city of Pella and we, it took a long time. Let's say, I think it was like two years as a whole entire Cause I know process. you guys have been doing it for a while. Oh yeah. I mean, we'd have, we go, we'd all go to the uh, city council meetings and whatnot and, uh, <laughs> More uh, local government than you hope to uh, right, yes, deal with. Yes. You're like, I just want to brew beer. And... <laughs> well, and that, that's a, that was the interesting thing is you, you go to any other craft brewery in the state of Iowa, and it's like you, you, there's kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless, unless the brewery is technically a part of a bar. Like there, there's, a, there's a brewery up in, um, oh, where is that? I think it's Cedar Rapids. That actually, it's called Third Base Brewing. They are... I think they're actually a restaurant, but they're more of a sports bar. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure you can still bring kids in there, mm-hmm. but that was that's really the only brewery I've actually been to that I have not seen a single kid in that place. Um, Grant, I've only been once, so there might have been. They were hiding them in back. Oh, yeah, that could be. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, I mean, you go to any other uh, brewery, um, and they have, they really honestly try to uh, bring in that family environment. I mean, you always have like a shelf of games. Um, actually, in fact, single speed out in uh, in uh, shoot Cedar Rapids, yeah, Cedar, Cedar Rapids. Uh, they actually have a. Uh, uh, they just bought out. I think it's a the hostess, an old hostess uh, uh, building, mm-hmm. and they actually built a kids area. Like it has all different little toys yeah. and things the kids can play with and. That's like that's really cool. Yeah, that's really. I mean, cool. You send the kids to the little toy area to let them do the thing, and adults can enjoy a beverage. Enjoy a beverage. So, yeah. I mean, the, the, I think the funniest takeaway from the, all those all those meetings um, was that uh, they the the city council had the notion that um, bringing kids into a craft brewery was uh, as a gateway drug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna shake my head over here. <laughs> so they're like, "Oh, well, first they go to the brewery, and then they start selling weed and doing meth." I'm like, "Wow, that took a lot." Uh, you turn. went zero to a hundred in about two seconds. There, <laughs> this is like okay. This isn't Jeffco. Like for right. those for those of our outside Missouri listeners, Jeffco is the largest meth capital <laughs> uh, in the world. Um, so. I would think you have some more beer for us. Both of our glasses oh, yeah. are empty. Let's, yes. let's let's pour another beer and then we'll kind of talk more about your brewery and all sure. that. This episode of Saw 
Lost on Beer, Burn, Barbecue is brought to you by The Restory. For the past few weeks, Alex and I have been working with Davin Shaw, a true Kentucky colonel, and his company, The Restory, to create the perfect accent piece for our man caves. Alex and I have been looking at what we could do to take our passion and love for whiskey and to transform it into some home decor, and Davin was able to take that love and make these amazing lamps. The Restory is a family-owned company that takes old whiskey bottles and transforms them into amazing decor pieces that even your wife will let you have around the house. Right now, Davin and his team are working on some new products, like their Half Moon Barrel Illuminations, which is a great bar topper, floating shelf, or office bar, if you can get away with that. So I encourage you to go to www.therestillery.com or check them out on Instagram at the underscore restillery. That's R-E-S-T-I-L-L-E-R-Y to check out their amazing products and see about getting a one-of-a-kind whiskey lamp just for you. And as a listener of Sauced on Beer Bourbon Barbecue, Davin and his team have created a special offer code for you to use at checkout. Using the code SAUCED15 will get you 15% off your whiskey lamp. Again, that's S-A-U-C-E-D-15 will get you 15% off your whiskey lamp. Make sure you go check out the Restillery and help support an amazing small business. Now let's get back to getting sauced. All right, so we're back, and you've just poured us what? So I call this guy uh, Champarado. It smells delicious. Champarado is a essentially a Mexican hot chocolate. Um, I just added four R's because we have four cats. Okay. So uh, it was basically kind of a Champarado. Ah, uh, I see. But yeah, this is this is quite a solid beer. Um, lots of chocolate. Oh yeah, very much lots of chocolate. But um, it's got. A very good spice to it, like it's got the sweetness of like a hot chocolate, mm-hmm. but it's got that that Mexican style hot chocolate. Yep, yep. Um, so Pasilla chilies. Yes, that's exactly like the it warms the tip of your tongue and kind of lingers as it kind of goes. Like it's got that quick bite, but then it's like, oh, this is really good. This is mm-hmm. smooth. Um, this is fantastic. Good. I think it's delicious. Um. Yes, this is. <laughs> I'm upset that you're in Iowa. Um, you have to come up and visit us once you start, oh, once you get everything off the ground. I would love to. Um, we're a mobile studio, so we will just haul everything up. And, Perfect. And I think if I hit Iowa, then I can go hit my buddies up in Michigan and circle back around to my buddies in in Kentucky. So it'll be the beer, bourbon, barbecue tour. There you go. There, that's what we'll just do. Yeah, you gotta, Take the whole summer off. So if you go up to Iowa. I mean, I can give you a list of breweries that you need to stop at. I mean, you got you got okay, <laughs> Barntown and Des Moines. They do a good job. Uh, let's see, Confluence obviously is there. Uh, Toppling Goliath up in Decorah. Pulpit Rock is also up in Decorah. Both of those are if you're looking for your uh, IPA style pale ales, um, and and they do a good job at uh, um, a lot of our stouts are really good too. So. It's so funny because, like, like I said, and no offense to Iowa, 
because I mean Missouri's the same way too. Like when you say, "Oh, I live in the Midwest." Oh, those flyover states, you know, like yes, we do live in the flyover states. But I wouldn't think craft beer out of Iowa. But what you're saying is there's a lot of really good stuff up there. Yeah, yeah. And at least you don't say Steve King because <laughs> <laughs> no. But uh, beyond the point. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of. I mean, the craft beer scene has been growing everywhere. So there's there's really good breweries just popping up uh just left and right and i mean in fact we went to uh uh center ice brewing mm-hmm. um last night and i got to talk to uh the owner and the head brewer and we chatted for a little bit about uh making beer and it was, it was just a good time i mean I, I think that's what i really like about the craft beer community is you can go in there if you go in the morning or right when they open a lot of times the brewer's just there yeah, and they're just willing to talk about what they do, and um, a lot of times, if you ask, they'll just kind of be like, "Hey, you want to go see it?" And they're like, mm-hmm. "Yes." They're very proud. Yes, they're proud parents. Yes, you know exactly. If you exactly. ask any parent, you'll be it in a few months. You know, yeah, right. Do you want to see my kid? <laughs> like, here, let me bust out my phone. I've got a hundred thousand <laughs> pictures. Where do you want to start? You know, like my hundred thousand beer pictures gonna switch to hundred thousand kid pictures. You can get a nice balance. I, I've got a nice balance of beer, bourbon, barbecue pictures, and pictures of my son. There so you, go. you just got to learn to walk that line. Oh, yeah. Have more of your kid than of the beer and all that. Just just a little okay. FYI. Um, so what is your role in this brewery? Like, So I have a full-time job at, at Pella Corp up in Pella, Iowa. That's what brought me up there. So I work up in IT in that, that uh, corporation. So my job would be basically be... I will be assisting um, Mike, who is the head brewer. Um, so after I get done with my shift at work, I'll go up up to uh, the brewery and either help clean out or finish out a batch. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, he's not stuck at doing the whole thing by himself. What is the ultimate goal of this brewery? You said it's to bring like family together and all that kind of stuff. You said kind of create craft soda, craft beer. But is there going to be a style of beer or are you guys just kind of going like we're gonna be open to try everything like here's what we're working on like because I, I like i know like hopskeller here in waterloo mm-hmm. um we interviewed their brewer master matt and he's like there's no set for what my brewery can be like i want to just create good beer i mean i assume obviously you want to create good beer but like are you guys i don't think there's a style that we're gonna specifically shoot for um it's basically, I mean, the first couple uh, batches are probably just going to be trying to figure out how our homebrew recipes scale up, um, which is a lot more difficult than you think. Um, what what makes that difficult? Like, what what are the challenges? Well, first of all, at your homebrew level, your efficiencies are generally around sixty nine to seventy percent, um, somewhere in that range. Efficiencies as many meaning how efficient are you extracting the sugars from the grain? Um, whereas <clears throat> on the the microbrewing scale on those actual commercial systems, you can hit eighty plus per, or you know percent efficiency. So what that means is the same recipe. If you scale it up, you'll get a lot more alcohol out of it, or a lot more sugars out of it, which will change the whole entire profile of the beer. Um, and there's also like different uh, grains scaled differently than others. So um, there's a lot of things that go into a, to you have to take into account. Um, I, mean, I don't even know off the top of my head, to be honest. We have to we have to play around with it a lot. 
question real quick. Uh-huh. Will this brew that we are drinking, your Mexican chocolate, hot chocolate, will this be available? Uh, I'm sure we can probably get it in there. Will this be available? This is me telling you, make this available. <laughs> um, and then every time you come back to St. Louis, just I'll, I'll pay you to bring me some because <laughs> it is really good, Jason. Good. I'm glad to like it. It turns out pretty good. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> so you're saying, so the scale is huge. Like just, right. I mean, because obviously you're going from like a 10 gallon system to what I think, what ten, are, 10 barrel. So, okay. A barrel is, I believe, 27 gallons. Okay. 20, 20 something gallons. Oh, God, I should remember that. But yeah, 20 something gallons. Hey, Google it's it. more than I know. So, multiply that by 10. That's what we're at. So, um, considerably larger than, uh, than what I'm doing on the homebrew scale. Are you excited? Are you nervous? Oh, yeah. Or I, I yes, mean, I'm excited and nervous at the same time because it's like again, we have no idea how to scale the recipes yet. So uh Mike's been researching that quite a bit. Um so hopefully he has the answers. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope so. Tell us about the building that you guys are into because it's really cool. Like I, I saw some pictures. Mm-hmm. Again, if you're looking for the brewery, it's what name again? Uh Hizelig. But it's spelled G E. Z E L L I G. So look them up on uh, Facebook, um, Instagram, yeah. Instagram, yeah. Yep. Look them up there. Um, you can see kind of what you guys are doing, like the process of kind of going in, but it's a really cool old building. Tell us a little bit about so that area. That building is actually the old uh, Maytag Corporation. Uh, so out of Newton, Iowa, uh, Maytag uh, used to have a whole, their whole entire offices and process in, the, in, that, in those buildings. And now they're owned by uh, DMAC, which is the uh, community college in that area. So they're trying to bring um, businesses into that complex and try to make like almost a um, a shopping area type thing or uh, just kind of a, a gathering space. The uh, up the Martin Duffy, the guy who actually owns Peanut Pub, just opened a second Peanut Pub up in Newton, Iowa, and in those buildings. Um, really big success. I was trying to pull, that's actually what's I think pulling a lot of, uh, like restaurants, coffee houses, things to kind of come into that space. Um, but really kind of really cool building. They've, they've done a good job of actually trying to, uh, uh, remodel, fit the space to what, what, uh, aspiring businesses want. And we're going into, um, from what I've been told, their old test lab. Okay. Where that used to be. And what's nice about that, it's pretty much already like designed perfectly for a brewery. You got the drains in the floor, you've got power anywhere you need to go, you got a nice big space. So um we're going in this building and it's gonna it's it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty awesome. That's really cool because like there's a brewery down in Lexington, um, West Six. They went to an old baking uh, oh, yeah. building and all the copper lines were still in there like all the it's amazing to see how many breweries are going into these mm-hmm. old buildings that were once used for like making washers and things right. like that you know making bread and you're reusing a lot of it you're mm-hmm. preserving that history so that's really cool that you guys are doing that um it looks amazing i mean yeah. i see the pictures of what you guys are doing i love the the one hallway that y'all have that with all the windows that you kind of yeah. like look out onto the tanks and all that kind of stuff yeah. like and we're thinking like kind of following a lot of the breweries that we've been to obviously um but we're thinking it'd be kind of fun to actually put like some sort of screen printing on those that glass so you can actually 
it'll walk you through the process right there awesome. as you're looking in. So, um, and you also get to see our ugly mugs working <laughs> on beer. So, <laughs> hey, if they appreciate beer, then they're going to be happier working well, that's, there because that's uh, also valid good beer. So, when is your guys's goal for opening like when when is because i know like you're in the process of it Mm -hmm. and how far are you guys from um where you originally had wanted to start well we were hoping to get something well obviously this is two years ago but we were hoping to get something in pella and up and running by the end of this year but i think um what we're kind of shooting for now is uh is spring ish next year Spring, summer, that time uh, frame. Tulip Festival, right? Yeah, May. That's that's tulip time uh, in Pella. So, but yeah, we're we're trying. We're, I think that's the that's the goal that we're trying to get to. But uh, yeah, the the process is longer than what you would expect because even after you have, you know, the the essentially the permission to brew beer um, from the the city, you then have to go and get. Uh, approval at the national level. So you have to send out all your legality forms. You got to get licensed and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you got to find a way to install a boiler, which is apparently pretty difficult. <laughs> Nobody installs boilers anymore, but yeah, the system we're using is all is, is steam powered. So um, we're using steam to actually uh, heat everything, which okay. is really nice actually. Does it create much more consistent? Like, um, the consistency is more based on the the brewer themselves. Okay, but uh, steam. What it does, you basically have three different types of uh, commercial brewing equipment. You have electric, which you'll have a, uh, essentially a coil within the tanks to heat it up. You have gas fired, which is just you have a giant burner underneath the tank. Um. Then you also have steam, which basically steam is pumping hot uh, water through the uh, essentially a jacket on the boil kettle, so it'll actually heat it up quite a bit quicker. Okay. You know, surface area and all that. Okay. So, and how far is it from Pella? You um, from Pella, I think it's about twenty thirty minutes. Okay, so. so not terrible. No, not terrible. That's good. That's good. Well, Jason, I mean. Before you leave, there's one more question I have to ask you, and this is probably the hardest question I'm going to ask you today, and I'm sorry about this. Um, what's your favorite beer? Oh, good Lord. Like I said, it's the hardest. <laughs> you weren't thinking it was going to be something really hard. Um, uh, this is, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I've heard the response, the one I'm drinking right now, you know, that's that's always the response I hear, you know. Oh, good God. That is difficult. I don't know, man. <laughs> is there one that stands out to you as like, it doesn't have to be your favorite, but just like one that you always kind of keep in the back of your mind. Like for me, Oberon, Bell's Oberon. It's just mm. like one I keep in the back of my mind that like, it's just, it's good. It's consistent. It's something special that I don't get all the time because, you know, Oberon's only available so often. Sure. Like, well, I'd say there's, a few different things that are that kind of go into that. Like, for example, um, I really like side projects, uh, pulling nails. Those are excellent. As far as like a beer that, uh, that has, it's kind of hard to explain because the beer itself, it has so much depth. The way that you taste 
that uh that pulling nails you initially get a flavor right when it hits your tongue and then as it you basically swallow it as it just kind of it just evolves in flavor as it's as it's going and it's that beer there i that's the most in-depth flavor i've ever had in a beer um to date but what style is that that's a sour okay that's a essentially a barrel-aged sour okay um but uh as far as a I mean, one comes one comes to mind is uh, it was more of a I think it was almost more of a location slash beer. Um, we were at uh, uh, the history museum in Chicago, and there is a little bistro there that serves uh, beer that's specifically brewed for uh, the field museum. So. It comes out of a brewery in Iowa, Topping Goliath, that makes it. It's Pseudo Sioux. Okay. So, obviously, namesake is yeah. Sioux from uh, Field Museum. For whatever reason, I don't know if it was because that was just a super fresh batch that they got or whatever else, but that was a that was a damn good beer. Um, and that comes to mind. But, basically, my favorites change as the years progress. So, it's hard to, it's hard to pinpoint one favorite. That's fair. Very fair. Um, Jason, thanks for coming over today. Um, thanks for bringing beer. Thanks for drinking with me, talking home brewing. Um, fantastic way to start Saturday morning. Um, this is fantastic. Well, this... Before we leave, I got to crack open the other one. All right, let's crack open the other one. All right, so again, you're amazingly kind, and you brought this is your. Uh, hot chocolate with yep. the oak and the tin cup whiskey. Yep, Champerado. So okay. Um, I mean, the nose again smells delicious. It's got a very whiskey taste to it, which mm-hmm. I, I appreciate. I mean, I'm a huge bourbon fan, so I like I love those combinations. You were saying the first sip you try, like it's funny because I've sat down with a couple brewers and they're always so critical. Like, <laughs> like I'm like, this is incredible. This is so good. Yeah, it needs this. I'm like, but do you taste what I'm tasting? Like the beer is really good. So what did you say? What were so you? So I said, I said, wow, it tastes a lot like whiskey. And I'm like, well, it needs to, it needs to sit for another couple months. Basically, I had the barrel aged beer. You want it to age on oak for at least four to six months. Uh, this one, it tastes a lot like whiskey because that is the only flavor that those oak chips imparted right now. So um, hopefully over the next couple of months, it'll actually impart more of that oak, oaky smoothness along with the whiskey. And then um, obviously you get all the other flavors of that beer too. So let's just talk real quick whiskey. I know we're trying to kind of wrap things down so we don't have to get too much in detail. Maybe it can be another show in the future. Um, but does the whiskey style matter? Like if you choose a rye whiskey or you choose like, is there something, some reason you chose tin cup or is it just, well, the only reason why I chose tin cup is because I haven't had tin cup yet. Okay. I did a, um, dragon's milk clone, uh, a couple years ago. And for that one, when I, age that i used elijah craig okay um so a lot of times when when i choose a a whiskey or something um or a bourbon to to try uh to age it age a beer it's just dependent on well i haven't had that one yet so okay but i think in the craft beer scene a lot of it is more availability of barrels yeah 
So what what barrels can you get that are a cheap ish? Oh yeah, and also be available for you to grab. Um, I know a lot of the breweries in Iowa will grab. Uh, uh, we actually have a lot of them that grab Buffalo Trace. Oh yeah, that's um, a big one. Um, I mean, they're doing something like I think they just did their seven millionth barrel. Oh yeah, a couple weeks ago. So I mean, their <laughs> barrels are very readily yeah. available. So and the other one is uh, a lot of them grab uh, Cedar Ridge, which okay. is an Iowa distillery. So um, Cedar Ridge, Templeton, um, those are, are big ones in Iowa as well. So. Well, this is delicious. I would love to taste it again in four months. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's really good right now. It's got that good balance, I think, of a whiskey and a beer. Um, I mean, I, I can taste where the oak could be a little bit more prominent mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But I think from having just the normal hot chocolate to this, this is a little bit extra special. You know, like the hot chocolate one that we had originally was really good. This one is take that and let's multiply it by 10 you know so I'm, I'm very happy that you brought these thank you very much no um so jason if people want to get in contact with you um they want to see what you're doing and all that kind of stuff what's the best way uh honestly if i document everything i'm brewing and doing for as far as brewery related on my instagram uh which is mash underscore warrior uh which is a funny name which i came up with because i had <laughs> there's a funny picture out of my Instagram. I basically had a a lid to my brewing system and a mash paddle, and I was just basically a mash warrior. Um, so, yeah, you can follow me. Follow me on Instagram. There, um, you'll be able to see all of my uh, brewing adventures. Uh, cool. Basically, on there. So, cool, cool, cool. And then again, if we want to see about the brewery, mm-hmm. um, they have an Instagram account, Facebook. Yeah. Um, the name of it again, because I'm Zelly Brewing Company. I I just. <laughs> Uh, G E L L or G E Z E L L I G, uh, brewing company. Um, follow them, uh, make them feel the love from around the United States. We've got listeners all over, so, um, make them feel that love. Um, and then if you're in Iowa, visit them. Oh yeah. Um, or if, if we're not open yet, if you come in the next couple of months, uh, visit the peanut pub in, uh, Newton, Iowa. It's right across the little way from where the brewery's going to be. So. They'll happily tell you everything they cool. need to know about them. So. Cool, cool, cool. Well, Jason, thank you very much for giving time uh, to come chat with us, bringing beer. I mean, fantastic. So I really appreciate it. No problem. Um, so, again, I'm Kevin. If you want to follow me, it's beer underscore bourbon underscore barbecue. Um, check out our website, www.shopbeerbourbonbarbecue.com. Lots of cool T-shirts up there. Um Check out our Instagram page. Send us some messages. We'd love to contact you if you've got something exciting you want to talk about on our show. We're more than happy to do that. Um, again, Jason, thank you very much. Thanks for sharing your knowledge. Um, we've chatted. We've got some things hopefully coming up in the future with yeah. us. Um, I think it will be very exciting. Um, but, yeah. So, on that note, we hope you stay sauced on beer, bourbon, and barbecue.